Hello, this is the Past in the Pending podcast. I am your host, Adam Sexton. This is a podcast in which I usually try to talk about media consumption uh, versus what I'm doing right now and versus how I uh, consumed media in the past. And uh, as I'm continuing on with this podcast, uh, uh, I have been trying uh, to acquire guests, uh, some of which have been on this show before. And luckily tonight, if any technicals, uh, you know, snafus uh, aside, we will have a returning guest. Uh, and he has been on this podcast for the this will be the third time. And we have not uh, spoken to each other through this podcast since. I believe it was a December 21st uh, of 2015 recording. So this has been a long, long and wait conversation. So welcome back to the podcast, Mr. Adam Howard. Adam, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to talk and chit chat and, and do all that, man. I'm, I'm an honored guest here. Yes, very much so. And, uh, Maybe we can see if, uh, and I've usually teased uh, Ross Pony, uh, a friend of ours, or connect, or at least in the, a, an acquaintance, to see if we can get him on the show. <laughs> it, it, we, I have not been successful in the past, but if I can continue to keep the ball rolling on this show, maybe we can get him on. I have spoken to another acquaintance of ours, uh, Jason Wallstrom, who is the host and creator of entertainment landfill uh to get him on for a guest podcast uh and maybe i won't be tripped up by technical stuff that way but yeah man it's uh i'll I'll be honest with you the two episodes that i did with you are basically basically my favorites uh, in terms of just our, our rapport and the topics that we discovered so uh, I mean, uh, there is a set plan for our conversation, basically to talk about uh, what we, I- any notable things that we have uh, watched or played or read or whatever. But this is, I think, an opportunity for us to just basically catch up. And there were some topics that I wanted to ask you about, and maybe instead of just simply texting you about them, maybe we can bring about it in conversation. And if you have anything from me, uh, that we'll we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah, sounds good, man. Hey, I just want to uh, pay you a compliment. You, I think you do sure. a fantastic job of fleshing out um, just me, the way you consume entertainment, and then you speak about it. Well, every voicemail you've done, you've left over at Entertainment Landfill, and uh, every one of your shows, I'm always amazed at your ability to. Just speak on the things you're consuming in a pretty entertaining way, and I feel like I'm in a, I'm I'm kind of the not underdog, but I just feel like man, I, I wish I could talk about stuff as and flesh it out like you do. So I just wanted to at least pay you that compliment because I'm always like, dang, how does he do that? Like, how does he keep like he just talks about this stuff so well? So I just wanted to tell you up front, man. I think you're really good at that, and I'm looking forward to hearing all that you're you've been entertained by because it's always entertaining for me to listen to you rap, you know, like give like your rap sheet and stuff. So I just want to say that. My rap sheet. Oh, I appreciate that very much. (laughs) And uh, I like that you're modest. Uh, One thing that I can't do, or at least I haven't tried to do uh, as far as voicemails to uh, ETL is impressions. And I was fortunate enough to get on the live stream of uh, the uh, Friday night's episode 
uh, over at Entertainment Landfill and got to hear both your uh, voicemails. Apparently, Jason played two of them, and I was happy to hear the return of Freddie Forks. And uh, if, if listener, if you don't know what's going on, uh, well, it's a long story, but uh, you need to follow Entertainment Landfill. And uh, you can listen to the recent episode when it gets posted next week and you'll figure out what we're talking about. But I was happy to hear from Freddie Forks and just happy to. And I I know that it thrilled Jason and Steven to to hear from you again. And we just need to keep that conversation rolling, so to speak. I I agree. It's like I like I mentioned with the first voicemail on there and not to go into left field with talking all about that podcast. But um, I just I have so such direct access to them that it's like sometimes I'm just like, I don't know what to even say, because every time I every time something funny happens on the show, I will instantly text them and talk to them about it. And that's why that's why I'm glad that you said there were some things I wanted to text you, but I just waited so we could have this conversation. If I don't text immediately, I forget nowadays. (laughs) So so I'm like, I'm glad you're able to do that for this show here. But that's usually why I haven't been hitting them with voicemails and I feel kind of bad about it because there is like a camaraderie and a cool social aspect and community aspect to being able to send voicemails in and do it that way. But I want to know how did you know that I was Freddie Forks? I thought my voice was disguised extremely well. No, not not really. I don't, it was probably accidental, but I believe that Jason outed, uh, outed you when he said we have three voicemails Two from they're all three from people named Adam. Uh, uh, but okay, okay. You. He basically added you when he he, he uh, before the show was recording. He said, "Hey, I got two voicemails from uh, Adam Howard, so this is this is good." So that's, that's hilarious. That's why I, it, was that your first time playing Freddy Forks, or I mean, me and Ross will call each other back back and forth and we'll do like it's the freddie fork show and i had i was talking to to jason earlier and he said he was listening to the uh the nim best of and so there was like a um like the freddie forks promo on there and so i you know i i um you you know who freddie forks is right you know that's andy hollywood saloon so i have him on instagram and so i messaged him and i'll just tell him like i I just i mean i love those characters that he would play so much that uh, you know, I, I always try to give him a compliment. So I sent him a compliment that day and said, I miss Freddie Forks. I miss Eugene. And then I just was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm just going to record another voice memo and email it over to him. And that's what I did. So it's, it's nerdery for sure for for fans like us of the uh, entertainment landfill, nowhere in Mulberry podcast. But, but it like, like you said earlier, if no one's listened to it, get on the website and check the archive and the, the NIM best of show. It's around, it's around episodes 240, like the upper two forties. I think mm-hmm. there's one, if you've never listened to it, pop, like go ahead and download that one. And it should give you a great overview. You've listened to the best of, right? Before. The best of was more or less, I, I can remember. And you know, I've, I've told Jason this before, how I found out about nowhere mobile was through a, uh, episode break uh, of the Hollywood Saloon. Andy Sims was basically putting in a plug for uh, the No Worry Mulberry podcast. And nice. generally, when I try to get into a podcast that has quite a bit of, uh, it's already got like a, a lot of episodes to it. And so, certain podcasts, yeah. I, I, I begin to notice around 
when they hit like a milestone, like episode 100, episode 150, 200, so on and so forth, they usually have like a little highlight reel. Well, like you said, Nowhere Mulberry had an epic four-hour highlight reel that as far as telling you about the history of the show, I don't know if it does that, but what it does do is it gives you a glimpse in terms of the the show in terms of its humor in terms of the topics they sometimes like to talk about but it it was like a, a basic gold mine of some of the more hilarious <laughs> surreal parts of that show that uh jason and i still and i'm sure that you know maybe he talks about it with you jason and i still talk about how much we love certain things like he he brought up the what was the one reality show uh, of the uh, and I forgot which one it was, but it had the, the one guy who talked like a robot. Oh, that was Hell's Kitchen, Dave. Hell's Dave kitchen. the robot. <laughs> the robot. I'm concerned about him. Yep, Jason. Yeah, we're waxing nostalgic about that. But yeah, that uh, for anyone who's listening to this or maybe have forgotten about it, uh, if you haven't listened to much of No Worry Mulberry before, it's now Entertainment Landfill. Try to hunt down that that four hour best of, and yes, four hours sounds daunting, but it's, <laughs> yeah. I, I listen, I've listened to it in increments and it's, it's just as good that waves. And that's, that's how I basically knew I was going to love this show uh, instead of just cool, man. From where the recent episode was. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's cool. That's it's yeah. so cool. my understanding is You've been with the podcast pretty much near since when when it started, or it, or am I getting my information wrong about that? Um, I can't remember. The, it's not it not when it started. I think it was about a year or two in. I want to say it was. Um, I mean, I can't remember, but I think I think it was in the. Uh, they had cracked episode one hundred by the time I had started listening to it. I think. Right. Um, so I just immediately. You know, back then, the state of podcast, because that was like 2007 or 2008. And back then, the state of podcasting was different. You know, like no one had cracked the podcasting code in terms of how to really turn it into a career. I mean, like maybe the Joe Rogan experience, maybe Adam Carolla had it going by then. I think Leo Laporte was doing some big things. But, you know, but Mm -hmm. other than that, like no one had really uh, there was there were there were a lot of options, but. As soon as I listened to it, because Ross is the one that turned me on to it, and I think Ross also found out about it because of Hollywood Saloon, because he was a film major. He's on there looking for, you know, just like good film podcasts or whatever, and he heard about, uh, I think he may have even heard the same promo as you, bro. I don't even know, but he ended up downloading it. He brought his iPod to work one day. He played a clip for me about how... um, Barack Obama and Michelle Obama. It was around the time that he was running for his first um, his first run or whatever, and um, they were they were doing fist bumping, you know, like there. And uh, and yeah. so this reporter's talking about like Michelle and Barack Obama are very loving. They can be seen hugging, kissing, even <laughs> fisting. And she said fisting, <laughs> and, and uh, <laughs> instead of fist bumping. And Jason obviously turned that into a clip and Foggy, you know, ran on with it or whatever. And uh, and Ross played that clip over the stereo at work one day. And I was like, man, I got to download this. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I downloaded it. And then as soon as it, we started, like me and Ross were building my dad's house at the time. And we started syncing up our iPods. Like, so we would like, we would go, okay, what time are you at? Okay. An hour and 13 minutes. Okay. One, two, three, play. And we would play and listen at the same time while we were like wiring my dad's house, doing the HVAC for my dad's house. And uh, one thing led to another. And I'm like, I'm going through the old school. So then I started listening to every old school episode. And then every time something funny would happen, I would stop and I would record a voicemail or I would call the voicemail hotline that they had and I would call yes. in and leave them some feedback about the old episode. And so what Jason said was so encouraging about it was that um, like year, years before when they were doing those, those shows, sometimes they wouldn't get feedback. <laughs> so like three years later or however many years after, here I am calling about episode 33 about something silly that Steven did or something silly that Bill did. So I, I could talk about them for a long time but i guess that's kind of you know the entertainment that has consumed me in the past as well as now because i could still listen to those old shows and i don't need it to be relevant i don't need it to be like like i, I really only want to hear about uh you know media that i'm consuming at present day i don't care like right. i could listen to them talk about old episodes and stuff and it's still great so i'm glad they still have the arch archive on anyways i'm sorry i could i could blab on all day about no that no that's that that's that's the whole point. I uh, I kind of view past and pending as a unofficial spinoff from uh, Noor and Mulberry and ETL because it's because it, it, it influenced it. It influenced my decision to get into this whole podcasting business, such as it is. I might as well I might as well do it now before you know it it comes to an end or it's no longer free or it's no longer easy to do. So yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, the whole thing about sending Jason feedback is that, I mean, it, it has to be done. It has to be done, uh, I guess, frequently or just, you know, he, he feeds on it. It, it inspires him. And and I kind of, in my voicemail to this recent episode, I kind of, uh, I don't know if got on to him was a little too strong. I just, I just basically said, you know, tried to get him to motivate him to make some more episodes. And I said, you know, I don't care if they're the, they're the kind of episodes in which you're driving around just talking about whatever. Uh, right. I, and I don't care if I, and I mentioned this in my voicemail. I don't care if you accidentally mic yourself while, you know, taking a piss or something, <laughs> which he has done before <laughs> in the past. But uh, yeah. just, just anything, uh, j just anything, because I, I don't want that uh, podcast to pod fade. I don't want him to pod fade like no. I did. No, but anyway, no, <laughs> anyway, to get away from the monolith that is uh, nowhere <laughs> mulberry slash ETL, uh, either we can, uh, you want to talk about the, the things that you, we've been consuming and then sure. get on to the questionnaires. So I'll go first, and uh, this is uh, this is something that that uh, took over that I've watched a while back, but I fear I should mention it. Um, on Father's Day of this of this year, uh, my older brother and I went to see Field of Dreams uh, at a, and it was basically like a thirtieth anniversary showing, I believe. At the, that's cool. Yeah, at the the Malco Razorback, uh, Malco Theaters, and I'm not so so sure if they are the only theater chain doing this. I just know that I pay attention because there are Malco chains where I live. They uh, 
have a ongoing series every month with Turner Classic uh, movies in which they are able to schedule recordings of uh, or showings of movies um, two or three times a, a month. And sometimes those can be topical. Uh, for Father's Day, it turns out Field of Dreams is absolutely perfect about that because it's about the bond between a father and a son and trying to repair sure. that, trying to find closure with it, in addition to being something that is very uh, that's very passionate and romantic about, you know, the game of baseball as uh, not only as a game, but as kind of like a something that can act as a balm or a healing factor. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, we uh, we both went to see it. My older brother is a father now. Uh, he he and his wife uh, successfully got a baby through adoption, and I, I think it, it meant so much to him to go see this. I leading up to that showing, I didn't really have any plans to do it, but since Brian, my older brother, wanted me to wanted us to show for that i did and i can see that it meant much to him but he he had always loved the movie we i don't think we've watched it since we uh it came out on dvd when we were sharing an apartment in the mid uh aughts and uh you know we enjoyed it then and we definitely enjoyed it now uh it, it there there it wasn't like a full house uh as far as the showing goes uh but there was enough people that the movie clearly still works in terms of uh, the laughs and in terms of the moments where it's just genuinely emotionally touching. And I, you know, I forget it's, it's got a perfect cast in this. You, you almost forget how good James Earl Jones is or how good Amy Madigan is, or uh, it, it's like, Holy hell, it's Burt Lancaster. He's back for like, that was his last uh, film performance, but and there's young Gabby Hoffman and there's Timothy Busfield, who is uh, apparently everywhere who is in every movie that Phil Allen Robinson makes. I don't know if the, he owes him something or not, but anyway, <laughs> uh, but there's Ray Liotta as shoeless. Yeah. Joe. It, it's just, it's just a good uh, family movie, but it is also that, that kind of movie that will make you want to call your dad and, hmm have a conversation and especially if it can guilt you into it, if you haven't done it in a while. Um, right. Are you familiar with this movie? You know, I wish I was more familiar with it. I have not seen it as an adult, but it was one that my dad really, really enjoyed. And he had the VHS copy of it um, when I was coming up and I remember it being on frequently in the house and I remember, you know, I mean, as much as I could understand as a probably a third or fourth grader, just because I loved the game of baseball, then I played T-ball a lot. And so I, yeah. I knew who Kevin Costner was because of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I knew who um, I knew who James Earl Jones was. I, I knew like uh, just Amy Madigan. That's she plays Kevin Costner's wife, right? Yes. Yeah. And I remember the little girl. But, you know, I mean, <laughs> through it through a third grader's eyes, bro. So not not I, I need to watch it again. For sure, it would be a good watch, you know. Yeah, but, it's 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 withheld. It is stood the test of time, in my opinion. It's it's just yeah. a movie that'll make you feel good, really. Yeah, that's awesome, man. All right, so that's my pick as far as like an old title or a recent title. Uh, what what have you got to, to offer up? Okay, so um, I remember watching Babe. This you know the the movie about the pig. 
Yes. Uh, have you ever seen that? Oh yeah, like maybe a handful of times. Sure. Yeah. When I was Not in, recently. you know, my senior. Yeah. When I was in high school, my um, my then girlfriend, we we were like, I was hanging out with her while she was babysitting, and they had that movie, and she said, "Hey, do you wanna do you wanna watch Babe?" And I'm like, "Nah, I'm I'm good. It's fine. Like, I don't really want to watch it." And then we put it on, and I quickly fell in love with all of the characters, all of the zany quirkiness in that movie. And, uh, and I just really, really enjoyed the wholesomeness of it. And I, I, I loved it. And so then a few weeks back, maybe even a few months back, me and my wife are, we're trying to come up with all of the movies that we saw as kids that we want to play for our kids. Now I have a 12 yeah. year old son. I have a seven year old daughter and <laughs> usually they have their own ways of entertaining themselves so typically when one of them gets in trouble and they're not allowed to entertain themselves, I'll let the whole day go by. And then towards the evening, I will say, hey, you guys, if you want, you can watch a movie, but it has to be one that me and mom pick from our list. And so we started making a list. <laughs> I, made, I, made a list <laughs> I made a list on Evernote uh, because cause my kids don't really like, I mean, I don't think, I don't know about you, but when I was young, I wasn't too into the movies that my mom and dad wanted me to watch that they grew up with. You know, I mean, I think the only movie that my mom played for me that I was really into that she loved was Jaws and um, Psycho. But other than that, like, I was never really <laughs> gassed up to, <laughs> I was never really gassed up to watch anything that they presented, you know? And so we, we made, we made the list and we keep adding to it. And, um, I just thought, like, I, my son was in trouble. He did something. I was able to convince Charlie to watch it. She wasn't in trouble or anything, and he sat and watched it. And and he, my son, the the great thing about my son is that he will give you. He wears his heart on his sleeve, so he will not sugarcoat it. And he, we watched it together, and he really, really liked it. And uh, and it was just kind of fun because I, I have good memories of the movie. You know, I love uh, Ferdinand the Duck. I don't know any like again. I cannot. I can only hope to be as good as you when I talk about film. I don't know all of the actors' names. I don't know all of that. But I do know that um, I love the quirkiness of, of the, the duck character of Ferdinand. And I yes. just think that the, the pig is cute. And it's just a weird, you know, it's like I don't even quite understand the time frame. I know there's a scene where, you know, because for those of you who don't know, I'm pretty sure most of the people in the audience know that this is about a farm and about this special pig that comes along and ends up, uh, you know, winning against all odds is the quickest way I can say it. But but the far, there, there's one point where uh, I think like the son-in-law and the daughter visit this older couple that runs this farm and they're like, man, you should really get a computer and you should get, you know, um, a fax machine and the, the parents, the, you know, the the couple that runs the farm, they don't want anything to do with the new technology. Uh, and so right. they, they just kind of like give it away or give it back or do something with it. But what I, what's funny about it is like there's all of these kind of hints and clues. And I don't know if it's the filmmaker who is actually uh, the guy that directed um, – the Mad Max movies, George Miller. Is that who's name? Is that him? well? If if I remember correctly, George Miller didn't direct the first one. He did direct the sequel, Pig in the City. I believe he was a producer okay. on the okay. first okay. Uh, first big movie. Yeah, you know your stuff, man. It's crazy. Can't believe you know all this. Yeah, well, he. I um, I forgot where I was 
was going with it. Oh, yeah. So I don't know if it was like a creative choice, to, like to kind of give you the perspective from this older couple's like point of view, but it's it seems like it the the like the move the events in the film took place not in 1995 when it was made, but rather like. <laughs> 70 years before or a hundred years before, but then, but then sometimes there's, you know, like these glimpses of new technology. And then like, we actually today, today, me and my daughter watched Babe Pig in the city. And there's even more like there's the, all these reporters taking pictures of like, of like Babe when he gets back to the town. And I don't, I don't know if that's their way of just saying they live in an old town out in the sticks where technology has not caught up yet, but it, but that, believe it or not that quirkiness and just kind of like almost downright zany at times just lends something special to the film now i will say that babe pig in the city was way over the top with the zaniness i feel like they just like ramped it up on steroids and i was kind of rolling my eyes and having a difficult time paying attention to it today but babe the first movie is just chocked full of I mean, it's a bunch of animals talking on a farm. I mean, it's just good. You know what I mean? I just like it. <laughs> so I don't know what memories you may have with it, but I did want to bring that up. You know, I, I really, I, I just like it. And I'm glad, I'm glad my son liked it. I'm glad he was able to sit through it all. And then I was glad that he was able to, because usually once it gets later, if he's really not liking it, he'll just go to bed. Because he'd rather just go to bed early than sit and watch something that's boring him. But he uh, <laughs> made it through the whole thing, and he tell, told me that he liked it. So I was very pleased about that, Being, seeing as how it's on our list, you know? Yeah. Yeah, my, my memories of Babe, when, it, when I think uh, that was in 1995, uh, we went to see uh, Apollo 13, which came out that same year. And that's when I saw the trailer for Babe. And oh, nice. And aside from uh, initially, I wasn't sold on it. Uh, surprisingly, I don't know if I just yeah. thought, "Oh, kids' movies." Look, I'm 15. I'm ready to watch adult movie. This is this is you know, this is tripe or something. Sure. Uh, but but then it came out on video, and I I don't remember if I watched it at home or if I watched it at school first. And it did not take very long for the movie to disarm me and win me <laughs> over. And it's nice. got an interesting way to deal with. Uh, and it, it kind of cro- you know, there's some similarities to the to the book Charlotte's Web. What, yeah, what is going to happen to a pig who doesn't know his place? doesn't know where he fits and is usually usually something like that is usually destined for death or something and nutrition actually <laughs> yeah actually manages to find uh, to, to find a role or his place not only with you know within within the farm and becomes like a sheep herding it becomes a sheep herder and this it's it's him trying to trying to you know stay alive but kind of find a place to fit in the social stratosphere stratosphere of the right. farm you've got certain animals who take a liking to him certain animals don't uh, most likely the 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 dog the, the the who uh i'm just looking now is I find out is voiced by hugo weaving uh, of all people, but I mean, Which this is, is awesome. Australian. It's yeah. an Australian movie, so there's going to be a lot right. of Australian people involved with it. Sure, but but sure. yes, I loved. I, I mean, there's so. I mean, the animation also 
holds up in a way that it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like it's really poorly done or direct a video ish. Like I'm pretty sure this inspired a whole slew of direct a video children's films where you got animals talking or whatever. But, uh, and I can't imagine the logistical nightmare of filming animals and kind of uh, trying to keep performance out of them. But I mean, it, yeah, it works. I mean, but I, I wouldn't expect, uh, no less from someone like George Miller, who's made a career out of, turning logistical nightmares into uh entertaining films <laughs> but uh, right right you mentioned Ferdinand the duck uh who i love and who i also think kind of shines he's probably the highlight of babe pig in the city but i sure. love the little mice our little chorus oh, of yes. uh troubadours <laughs> yeah blue when they sing blue moon it's just it's, mm-hmm. it's really cute Oh, I, I like that. And you know what? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Say it. They're introducing the chapter title, so to speak. Yeah. And the, the how they can one can like get it wrong and then apologizes for it. It's <laughs> it, it was it was so that's it, great. It, it's so charming, and I I like that the movie isn't afraid to get a little scary like i said this is a this is a pig who usually those are destined for death and mm-hmm. become nutrition like you said and this is a pig who's just got to right. you know find his way and it's not afraid to get not afraid to get a little intense pig in the sequel i think brought the intensity to kind of like to a level too high that it kind of scared some people off i i still kind yeah. of but this one is is uh, enjoyable enough, you know, for the whole family, so that no no one's going to have nightmares or anything. So uh, I haven't seen it yeah. in years, but I should definitely check it out. It's fun, and one of the things I appreciated about it while I was watching uh, the the sequel to it today was this: the, it was shot at a time, it was made at a time when. Not everything had gone the way of computer animation. I mean, you know. It, definitely was around it was new with jurassic park that was like a really really huge computer animated movie but um nowadays if they were to make this movie they would either do shoot it live action but but all the animals would be completely cgi for the most part or they would just do the whole entire thing computer animation and believe me i'm not knocking that type of stuff it's not that i don't like those movies but it's just there's there's a fondness to it and an, and an appreciation for the people that made the movie like you said you know like he was no stranger to making difficult hard to shoot movies and i've heard i think steven spielberg is famous for quoting never work with animals never work with kids <laughs> you know and it's like i mean it's like geez man it's it must have been extremely challenging because just making the movie alone with adults is hard enough you know with grown-ups but to, let alone farm animals you know that must have been trying at times to say the least so yeah it, revisit it for sure it's like one of those movies you kind of want to you just want to put on a feel good you know like if you're down and out or if you're sick or something it's a good movie to put on in those circumstances so i yeah. i'm i'm happy to bring it up and talk about it on the show that's for sure oh yeah definitely um, well, if we don't have anything else to say about Babe, I'll bring up uh, a recent title that I have seen. And uh, this past week, uh, I haven't really uh, haven't really watched a whole lot of new stuff. I think the most recent thing I saw was I started 
season three of Stranger Things. And okay. I haven't gone into it enough to really give an opinion, although it looks as though, I mean, they're, they are keeping up the level of quality with the acting and with, and with the writing. And I've talked to certain friends uh, who believe season three is probably maybe the best, if not for season one. Uh, right. But uh, but I'll continue watching with that. Uh, as far as something recent, as far as a movie is concerned, I think oh, the thing that stood out in my mind, especially since it was discussed on the recent episode of Entertainment Landfill, is Spider-Man Far From Home. Have you been able to see this? No, man, I'm sorry. Right. Yeah, it would be nice if we could. It would be nice if we could both talk about that, but I haven't seen. It. That's all right. Uh, have you watched the previous? Uh, have you watched Spider-Man: Homecoming or watched any of the previous movies with Tom Holland as the titular character? Yeah, I've seen uh, Homecoming. I saw that. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, what about uh, Avengers: Endgame? No, bro. I'm so behind on all that. Okay, so I'm I will so tread carefully, tread okay. carefully with my okay, thank uh, you. spoiler-free uh, viewing. I think it's a better movie than Homecoming, um, okay. I, and I didn't think that Homecoming was a slouch uh, at at all. Uh, I, I mean, although I'm one of those people who still thinks nothing will ever top Spider-Man Two. Because I think, you know, just all the planets aligned for Sam Raimi and everyone else involved in the making of that movie. And it's just like yeah. the perfect comic book movie ever made. But Far From Home handles uh, life after the events of these last two Avengers movies uh, with enough with enough attention to detail for... Uh, with enough attention so that you can understand the consequences or the ramification of the events and which I won't say because, you know, you haven't seen them yet, <laughs> but uh, I, I think it's, it's a lot lighter. Right. I think it, it places a good emphasis on uh, uh, characters interacting with each other. It's based uh, a lot of it centers around a, uh, a uh, high school trip to uh, what initially starts, I believe, as uh, par uh, like Venice, and then it turns into, uh, you know, for reasons I won't get into, into other locales. And I'm wondering, this must be a really well-funded high school in order to obtain travel passes for two teachers and yeah. a, uh, you know, a, a baker's dozen of kids. But... Um, but I really liked I I really liked how and I was just thinking well you're taking Spider Man out of New York City how are they going to tell the story this time and it's well coupled with what happened to him with these past two Avengers movies and uh, where his life is right now uh, well one of the things that they do is they tackle on a very well done romance subplot where he's you know basically got the hots for one of the girls in his class and and it seems that his and you know to avoid spoilers to an even greater extent i'll just say that the the opportunities for him to become spider-man on in a in a scenario where he would really have rather avoid doing it complicates mm. that in ways that are very very exciting very thrilling and very funny and i think the villain it, this time who i won't spoil of course <laughs> I think the villain is a little bit stronger even though i loved michael keaton in homecoming 
Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, I did see that. I saw that in Toy Story for the. Uh, I think it was like a couple of weeks ago. I I, I didn't go see anything this weekend. Uh, uh, basically because money was kind of tight, but, uh, but yeah, basically Spider-Man far from home. If you've, if you've basically caught up with the Marvel cinematic universe, and if not, well, give it some time. It will, uh, uh, it will come around eventually, but, uh, I would highly recommend it, especially if you've been sold on the Tom Holland incarnation of Spider-Man. I think he does. I think he does a good job. I, I think it was. I, I liked it. I liked the way he played it. I liked it. He just seems young and just kind of free. And it just. I, I liked his sensibilities. I liked the way he acted in it. I'm not the most giant Spider-Man comic book fan. Um, well, I'm. I'm not a fan at all of the comic books. You know. I mean, my first. Uh, I mean, I remember. Um, spider-man the app like there was an animated version of it when i was like in high school that would come on and that was i mean sometimes i would watch it but it was very few and far between so really the my um experience and and main experiences with spider-man was the rain the rainy ones you know i really liked the first and second yeah. one i did i did not like the third one at all um i thought it was not good at all but i've kind of right. enjoyed m- most of the you know renditions that have come out since and it's funny because last night i walked in i was uh watering my parents plants and then when i got back home my daughter was like watching the last 30 minutes of into the spider verse which was so fun and yeah quite frankly i do believe that it was a better movie than incredibles 2 and i'm a huge pixar fan right so i mean yeah it, it was it was good so i you know i'm I'm pretty much like that type of guy where it's like, okay, yeah, if it's a good movie, I'm going to watch it. I'm not like a Spider-Man purist at all. So right. it's, it's cool. You know, I, when I sit down to watch those kinds of movies, I just go, um, okay, like I just let it come to me and I just enjoy it for what it is. And if it's good, it's good. If not, okay, well, on to the next one, you know, <laughs> kind of how it goes. Good show. Well, uh, I, I think we've hit the end on what we can talk about uh, as far as that movie's concerned because for, obviously you haven't seen it. So uh, yeah. because of that, let's move on to something uh, something else that you may have watched or played or whatever. What have you got? Okay, so you just mentioned Toy Story 4. I, I mm-hmm. saw that. I can talk about that a little bit yeah. um, if, you, if you want to. Sure. I, um, so... You know, once again, it's great to see the gang back. You know, it's a, it's a, without weighing in too much on, you know, okay, are they mining too deep on this particular franchise? Um, without getting into all that, I could just say that it was very exciting to see it on the big screen again, and I, I enjoyed it a lot. And I, um, there are parts of it that were kind of a bummer to me and, you know, but I really did enjoy it. One thing I want to say about it and you tell mm-hmm. me how, how you feel about it. Now in this, um, canon, in the toy story canon, there has never been a loner toy that just decides to live on their own. I think that in three, when Lotso and, uh, the clown doll and the big baby or whatever, when they were left behind, they, they wanted to find a home. They were on their own for a minute, but their main goal was to find a permanent safe home, and they, and they did just that. Other than that, um, I would say that at the beginning of Toy Story 3, 
when the uh, at the very beginning the army men were like we're out of here when the garbage bags come out the army men are the first to go and they like <laughs> took off yeah but, <laughs> but but they didn't say they were going to be loners they just said they're they're out of there and so I do you know I don't have a problem with the fact that Bo Peep well I mean we can talk spoilers right like is that cool to yeah, yeah. to get into Okay, so people got to know that the details are coming. But I, th- I think the idea of Bo Peep being rogue, you know, after uh, sitting in the antique store for so long is really appealing to me. And I think it's fun. And I think it's neat to see how she's kind of made a way for herself in this uh, universe. And I really like her little companion. And I, I love the fact that they're traveling in a skunk mobile. I'm me being a nerd and being like a little. Um, I'm, I'm a miniature enthusiast. I really want to recreate an RC skunk that like hinges open that has the <laughs> doll in there and everything. You know, I don't know yeah. what I would do with something like that, but I really do nerd out on that kind of thing. So I, I like that. Um, I like the fact that she was in it and that she was a lone toy. And I like how independent she became, you know, and I, uh, and, and honestly, man, like I'm, I might say something here that is extremely unpopular but I feel like in the um, in kind of the not political era that we're in, but just everything is so touchy these days. I feel like there is this huge shift in cinema to make women the the leading roles, and I do not have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with it. But when, when it becomes too panderous, when it becomes like, "Hey, everybody, look, pat us on the back. We have a woman." Is I just, sometimes I get that vibe, and I did mm-hmm. not get that vibe with Bo Peep being the independent. Uh, loner that she had become. I mean, she had buddies, but you know, I didn't get that feeling like they wanted a pat on the back. You know, sometimes I get that feeling. Like I never had a problem with strong, independent woman superheroes when it felt yeah. natural, when it felt like a creative decision and not a um, pleasing decision or a panderous decision. Like Kill Bill is one of my all-time favorite movies. Volume yeah. one, I, I I loved it, and I never thought, yeah, it's women get their due. It's about time. I mean, like I just loved it because it just seemed good. I just liked it, yeah. you know. So, but I just wanted to say that the, I did not get that stench of pandering to the audience at all in this. You know, what did you no. think about them about her being on their own and stuff? You know, like what, did you like that, or what, did it seem well, weird to you in a Toy Story film? It had been. It's been a long time since I've seen the the earlier films, or at least I, I should say, like the first two films in the the series. We haven't seen Bo Peep in a while, and the prologue that starts off for Toy Story Four explains why that may have happened because we find out that uh, Andy's, uh, I think, uh, Andy's younger sister Molly, uh, basically yeah. are. She gives away Bo Peep and her sheep, uh, but what I but what I think so hearing Annie Potts play Bo Peep again is great, but her whole appearance in this movie also serves as a functional purpose, which is to basically clue Woody in on the unfortunate uh, horizon coming up for him, which is. Every toy, no matter how hard they try, no matter how loyal they are to the child that they are uh, working with, so to speak, eventually they will face the fate in which they are either given away or separated from their 
from the child and Bo Peep their had kid. made their kid, yeah, as they say in the movie. Or kid. Yeah. Bo Peep had made peace right. with that. And because it starts that off, it gives off this, you know, the you know, some foreshadowing for what's going to happen to Woody uh, watching toy story three. I like many people, I believe, well, they don't need to say anything else. There's no reason. Right. Um, it's a perfect way to end it. And when they announced this move, I was thinking, Oh, this is, this is, you know, really cynical cash grab thing. Yes. It'll look fine. And yes, they'll get a whole lot of great voice actors for it. But what is the story? And, right. uh, and I've jumped to conclusions on movies like this before. When they announced Blade Runner 2049, I was immediately mm-hmm. thinking, no, there's nothing that they can add or say at this point. And then I see the movie and I'm thinking, okay, I was way wrong. I was happy I was <laughs> wrong. But yeah, I... But yeah, I uh, I loved uh, I, I loved seeing Bo Peep, but also what she what she means to Woody, but also what it means for what's going to happen to Woody because he realizes he's being pushed aside because uh, uh, who's the little girl Bo is or I'm thinking that that's the girl from uh, Monsters Inc. Bonnie. Yeah. Bonnie becomes attached to Forky, which is just something that she made in what was it, pre-kindergarten <laughs> just as a coping mechanism, but then Forky means eventually becomes more than something else. So Woody uh and in trying to still matter to this kid tries to protect and, you know, look after Forky. And then you go on this epic journey where trying to bring him, trying to bring Forky back who in Forky, but it's basically all is basically has no illusions about what he thinks he is. Which is <laughs> look, I'm just a piece of trash. Just let me be a piece of trash. Okay. Yeah. Love that. Love that. And, and then we meet into the, we, you know, eventually we we come across the character of Gabby Gabby, and every Toy Story movie, especially starting with two, you come across a another toy whose <laughs> yeah. motivations are not exactly honorable. I have to say that I think they kind of broke uh, the, the that Gabby Gabby isn't like the the uh, the character the the supposed you know the antagonist from Toy Story three or Toy Story two. She's aggressive right. in how she tries to obtain her goal, but it's not entirely uh, a a bad one. It's it's it is something that I can understand and kind of sure. relate to. Right. Yeah, I, I felt the same way about that. It's it wasn't as uh, she wasn't as menacing. And honestly, I think the bigger the bigger um, you know, bad guy in this movie was just aging and, and realizing that, like you said, it, it's it's always going to be a reoccurring thing. You're only right. going to be with Bonnie now for so long, you know, and, and that's kind of like life, right? Like, that's the deal. Like, every time I watch a movie about a superhero, I'm like, oh, man, it's this is the end of the world. This, I hope he fixes it. <laughs> and I'm like, but two months later, this superhero is going to be right back in the same predicament. And that's the same mm-hmm. exact thing that's going to happen with these toys. They're going to end up right back there. So I think that that was kind of the more over overhead, overshadowing thing that was going on was just life itself. Like the yeah. fact that age is happening, you know, and you're going to get notched out, you know, at some point. So 
Yeah, I, I did. I did like Gabby Gabby. I, I really thought the uh, the ventriloquist dolls were super creepy. Yeah, <laughs> the, way, the way that they came off was was fun, and you know it was neat. I liked that. That was cool. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, I, I I'm glad that they found a way to tell another story, and yeah. uh, you know, history repeating itself. I don't think they've been <laughs> telling more stories here no, because I no. I don't know if you saw. There was this meme on Twitter that basically suggests, well, at this point, if they make us Toy Story 5, it's about Woody going to whatever toy heaven is and either meeting God or becoming a God or something like that. <laughs> but uh, I have not seen that, but, but that's hilarious. Yeah, I, but I, I love that they managed to find what managed to find uh, a, a clo- some sense of closure for Woody, who has spent his entire existence trying to make a kid happy and trying to find a, I mean, it's again, it's about a character being put in a place where he or she or it doesn't feel that they belong in. What are they going to do now? And yeah, uh, the way that the movie ends, I think it's, it's, I I don't want to spoil it, but I, I think it's, it's, it's very beautiful and it's very touching about, you know, how can I still matter to children if I'm not directly involved in a child's life? That yeah, something that I did not see coming. So, right. yeah, I, I thought that aspect was handled very well. Yeah. I, um, I, I would say that um, I don't think there should ever, like I didn't think there should be a toy story for, of course I, you know, sign me up when I, when I know it's coming out. I'm not, you know, again, I'm, at this point in my life, I'm not really weighing into these things as much as I once did when I was younger. Like, I used to get upset about things like, no, why are they going to do this again? Like, they should have just left it. And I understand why people think that for sure. But I'm kind of, a, I'm, I, my attitude about this was, all right, let it come to me. Let's go have some fun and get some popcorn and watch it. It'll be great. But I don't think they should make another one simply because, I mean, like you said, unless it's about Woody meeting God or Toy God or whatever, <laughs> uh, I mean, he, he, he's. I'm, I just feel like if they try to get the old gang, like Buzz, Jesse, Bullseye, Ham, and you know all them together without Woody, I kind of feel like there's no Toy Story without Woody. He was always the the glue that kind of kept it together, and so I don't right. think they could make one but my wife said something interesting she found a post on social media that said tom hanks records his last toy story line so she oh, no. thinks that 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 leaves it as a, a possibility that maybe there will be another one just without him and i'm just like that would be crazy if they did that yeah that that's just silly but but one thing i do want to like i i i love the movie i found it funny it was it was it was fun it was neat but um and it was entertaining i i love the um one thing I've always loved about the Toy Story movies is the the heists. You know, they they yes, really the the Pixar the, the people at Pixar really knew what they were doing when they and, it, and it's just it's in a fun kitty way that we can all relate to because we all played with toys and it's always neat to see how they how they did it. But one um but but one thing I do want to say that I really missed from this movie that that was in the uh, first three was the camaraderie of the gang. You know, I there I, I think that Bullseye Jesse Mister potato head all of those characters that that make that that's what toy story is to me it's while it's not all about woody for me and, mm-hmm. but he is a huge part of it the gang is what is a huge part and i think those oh those characters were 
maybe on screen for, I mean, I didn't have my stopwatch out, but it didn't feel longer than about three to five minutes. And Buzz wow. had a little bit, Buzz had a little bit more, but, um, <clears throat> but the, the, the gang that makes up the DNA of that franchise was definitely missing from this. And while it was fun and it was enjoyable, I did miss out on that. And I'm not sure if you picked up on that or not, um, or how you feel about that. Well, I, I actually, thinking about it right now, I actually do think that it movie placed a little bit more emphasis on Woody and Forky, maybe at the expense of the rest of the gang. So, yeah, you yeah. know, I, I, I think I actually can see and can agree that the group dynamics uh, that were such a bigger part of the previous films were 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 not as uh, were not as big this time around. I don't think it. Hurts the movie overall, but I do I, I I do feel that that aspect was kind of lacking this time around. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, all in all, good fit flick though. I mean, it was good. It was fun. Oh yeah, I'll probably own the Blu-ray. It's <laughs> well, I'm I'm happy to hear that because uh, and you know, speaking again with our connection to ETL. Uh, it just doesn't seem like, uh, I mean, you know, one of the things you're going to have, one of the things you're going to discover uh, when the episode gets released for this episode that released Friday is that they managed to bring back the DVD song along with, uh, yes. along with a lineup of the recent DVDs. But the, something that I've uh, found a little kind of, I don't know if heartbreaking is too strong of a word, uh, Jason, I don't think buys physical discs that much <laughs> no. anymore. Uh, no, I mean, I don't he, think so. yeah, he's he's more he's more into the streaming thing, and you know that's fine for what it is. But he and Stephen had a conversation about, uh, well, I mean, streaming kind of makes things easier because it's always in it's always in your account for like Amazon. And Stephen says, like, well there's always a chance that, you know, those movies could disappear because it's not like these digital rights, uh, things are always set in stone. And right. I, it's just one of those things where you are listening to an episode and you feel like you could chime in. There was, I don't know if you saw this, uh, story posted last uh, week about Microsoft ending its e-reading, uh, service. So any purchases that were made, uh, within that services, all those any books or any magazines or whatever, those are gone. Wow, and, not cool. And cool. I not have, cool. and you know, Amazon seems to be a pretty stable service, but right. all you're doing is buying a license to watch those movies, or you are subscribing to the service to mm-hmm. stream those shows. Those can disappear. They usually do. Netflix is mm-hmm. pretty for feeling that they shouldn't hold on to something if they don't want to, you know, pop the money for it. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's the reason why I still kind of buy physical media, even though I do my own share of streaming myself because like, you know, the sure. convenience there. but, uh, but I'm hopefully, you know, maybe uh, with a few more talks, we can kind of uh, get Jason <laughs> back into the swing of, uh, physical media, if for nothing else, so we can hear that DVD jingle uh, from yeah, Steve. Yeah, I just think that with DVD collecting, I don't know about you, but it just got out of 
hand. You know what I mean? Like I was buying movies just for the sake of having movies to have a large collection to be that film <laughs> yeah. nerd. You know what I mean? And and so now I don't have a problem with buying Blu-ray. Like, uh, shoot, I bought Home Alone 1 and 2 this past Christmas because I love it so much. But usually like the, the Disney movies that we are all a big fan of, we, we pop for those, you know. And, uh, and But yeah, certain – I think it's just definitely – in this day and age where streaming is so readily available, I think that, you know, it's, you just, you're far more selective with the actual physical copies that you do hold on to. But that, you know, I never thought about it in terms of you're just basically paying for a license to view it. I, I thought it was just mine, but it's not. I, I, I now that I yeah. know it could disappear, it's like, Oh shoot, you better, you better get some physical copies of stuff. then you know, cause you never know. I mean, companies fold up all the time. Who would have thought Blockbuster would go anywhere until Netflix came along? Yeah. Here we are. <laughs> exactly. Uh, like for Amazon, yeah. I, uh, one of the hardest to find movies I've ever tried to hunt down was a late 80s action movie called Extreme Prejudice with Nick Nolte and Powers Booth. Uh, wow. And it, it, the last time it was available in home video was DVD. Uh, you know, just this you know, poor full frame presentation of it. Uh, it's not, I mean, you, as far as I know, it's not streaming anywhere available. No one's reissued it out on Blu-ray, even though I really think they do, they should. Mm -hmm. And it is currently available. I mean, my, I purchased it on Amazon. It's free to view whenever, but I'm just thinking at some particular point, they may not have the ability. Amazon is rich as obscenely rich as that company is, uh, with all their resources that they could lose that. So, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a fear that I have. And then, you know, and I've got like two, uh, Michael Jackson documentaries that Spike Lee directed. And I don't know if they're available anywhere else. I haven't seen them available anywhere else. Those could also disappear. So that's always, the price and the reality that you have to settle with when it comes with streaming, you it's available in your library, but just don't always assume it's going to be there. You might as well just watch it while you can. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, before the, the, the initial plan was to ask you, you know, what have you been watching? What have you been doing? So, and, and so on and so forth. And then I was going to get in, to some catch up questions because there okay. were some topics that we talked about in the, your previous uh, guest episode <laughs> oh, shoot. that I wanted to ask. But okay. one thing before we get off the whole watching topic, uh, okay. one of the things that you talked about in the past was game of Thrones at yeah, that particular yeah. point, speaking to each other, you and your wife were kind of been watch, watching the seasons that were available up to that point. Right. So so here we are. It's July of 2019. The series <laughs> had wrapped up a few months ago. A, have you have you finished completing it? And I, and if so, I wanted to talk to you about that because, man, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, let's get into it. It's on, it's on my list of things to talk to you about. Yeah, yeah did you go ahead did you ask? Did you did you finish the series? I did. Yes, finished the series. Yes. Okay, thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so 
Um, I'm going like this is what like I get a little self-conscious about uh, being about being a guest on your show is that I watch these things late at night when I'm usually really wiped out and I my memory it really does suck at this point. I'm like if I if I, there's no way I could ever be the king of the drops if I was listening to all this all, all those old school episodes this day and age. My mind was much sharper back then. So <laughs> I'm going to tell you just kind of like, I don't have a whole lot to talk about. I did enjoy the final season. I did enjoy um, most of it, but my overall feeling with what happened at the very, very end was just kind of like, meh. I kind of just hoped it would go a different way, but I did enjoy everything leading up to the final episode. I did enjoy, um, I don't know, was it on? See, you have to help me with my memory okay. what, did uh, and is it okay to just go full like full spoiler here can we just yeah like, yeah go well, into i mean it? why not okay if okay i will i'll put you know spoiler warning episodes on the episode description anyway okay. uh i mean but yeah go ahead and ask okay so um what season did the ice king resurrect the dead dragon that he killed with his like magical sharp ice stick thing if memory serves, that happened in season seven, uh, I believe, either on the, uh, I think, the penultimate episode when John and you know his Night's Watch or the Wildlings made this foolhardy attempt to, uh, I forgot, it, it's been so long since I've watched it, but it, it's right. like they're going to meet they were going to try to fight them because john had realized uh there's a certain kind of steel in that show's universe that will kill wildlings otherwise any other metal won't work as well and uh right. danny for some reason took out her dragons to to kind of help with them and that's when you know the the ice king basically you know took one of them down then resurrected them um Okay, so yeah, like, that's I believe it was a late, late se uh, season seven episode. Okay, okay, yeah, because because um up until the point like because like when I spoke with you last, we had just started watching. I think we'd finished season one. We hadn't uh -huh. we hadn't gotten to the red wedding yet because you you brought up the red wedding and I was like, huh? Like I don't think I knew about <laughs> it, or maybe I just didn't know that it was referred to as the red wedding. So we were early on, and then we stopped. And then, like, for a, a long time, a good amount of time, then we caught back up and got current again. And I want to say that was, like, mid-season six. And then this last time we watched, I think, a few, maybe the last episode of season six, all of season seven. And then we watched up to current, which was, like, three episodes in season eight. And then we started watching it week to week until it was done. So that's kind of right. the timeline of how I was into it. So um, the, the freshest thing in my memory one of the things that stood out was how the ice King was able to kill the dragon. And then when they resurrected it, I like lost my mind. Cause when it died, I didn't think that they would be able to resurrect it. And then I was like, Oh my gosh, they're screwed. They're so screwed. But that was a real fantastic part. I thought I really, really loved that. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I don't know, man. How do you, I, okay. So my, I think I'm probably going to be um, on the side of most folks when I say that, Season eight felt a bit rushed. What did you feel? Well, um, I remember because I follow certain people because of their ability to either write articles or create podcasts in order to recap to kind of get an idea of how I 
felt about a recent episode. And there is a writer for Vanity Fair called Joanna Robinson, who hosted no less than three podcasts for reasons I, I don't I don't completely understand, but I guess because one podcast uh, was very, very much casual for casual viewers. One was for people who uh, were more diehard fans into the show. So you can get into the minutia of it. And the other was for people who are heavy into the book. So she can get into the, the book lore, her mm. feelings about season eight were basically this. I like how it ended. I just don't like how we got there. I will say, okay. I will say here and here was the, here's what I think was the issue is with the series overall, you've got George Mar- R. Martin, who is the kind of writer who gets lost in, who gets lost in minutia, or he writes mm-hmm. things from a more character oriented standpoint rather than a plot oriented standpoint it's one of the reasons why the songs of ice and fire books became longer than they did uh in in case you didn't know the original idea was uh for it to maybe be like you know i want to say like four or five books long and after book three there was going to be a jump in the story's timeline to like four years well he Mm -hmm. in the process of writing he discovered he couldn't make that time jump and write these characters and events in the way that he would feel satisfactory for the reader. So he wrote out those four years, which is one of the reasons that books four and five kind of read like they do, where it just feels like you don't know where it's going. Well, eventually the showrunners of the TV show had a problem in which they were going to run out of material. And that eventually happened somewhere between season four and five. So, how do you continue on writing things, uh, keep writing this show, and you've got to keep in mind, this may be the most profitable show on the network, but even a show like this has a finite amount of money. You have a finite amount of time. You've got actors whose profiles have increased in, because of making this show. These actors aren't getting any younger. So the showrunners right. had this unfortunate point where we've, I guess we've got to come up with uh, an end point. And if we had to reverse engineer the plot and have characters be one dimensional or make stupid decisions just so we can reach that end point, that's what we're going to have to do. I don't Mm. envy them the task of trying to replicate Martin's writing style. I don't think that's easily translatable to television for my in my opinion no way those first four seasons are great adaptations of the source (laughs) material so now they've and this is and and also martin stopped collaborating with the showrunners around season four or five so his presence wasn't as you could notice his absence he did tell the showrunners his basic outline for how the story would end, although that was back in 2015, his plans mm-hmm. could have changed by now. Sure. So, sure. as someone who was rooting for Daenerys Targaryen to take the Iron Throne and yeah. Yeah. lose her soul in the process, yeah, that man. season finale, that 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 last <laughs> the last half of season eight really felt like it was 
I don't know if it was wrong. I I wouldn't exactly rule out the possibility that Daenerys could be corrupted or lose her way. I just don't think that the writing get, took us completely through that journey to ha to give her that Macbeth like fall from grace. Yeah, it feels yeah. like change things when it was convenient, and we have to have all these spectacle moments you have to have all these battles and now we got dragons and the army of the dead and i'm sitting here thinking this was a show that reeled me in because it kept most of those things out this was a, a medieval fantasy story about people and a power struggle that right. basically ruins an entire continent the 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 more fantastical stuff was kind of kept at bay but it seems like with the end in sight, uh, making the episode, uh, the the season episode uh, shorter, at least in terms of how many episodes per season, and getting these bucket list items off kind of sold right. the show short. There's a, mm. you know, a tongue twister for you. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, for sure. I loved where certain characters ended. I loved how Sansa... Sansa's uh, story ended. Uh, I loved how uh, you know. Yeah, me too. Jon Snow was a character who uh, who I, I liked, but through the through the course of the series, it kind of felt like you know he wasn't as charismatic as he was. I can't tell if that's uh, the that's the that's a, that's a problem with the writing or something. So certain characters benefited from the change of course. Uh, to get to the end point, and certain people, d certain characters did not. And it just felt like the first couple of episodes of season A were more character-focused, uh, and we could deal with people just trying to get their affairs in order before the battle with the Night King comes around. And, the, and I thought the third episode was actually really great. Uh, it's very divisive in terms of uh, its use of shadow, and some people thought it was too dark. But I thought uh, mood-wise and visual-wise that it worked. And then after three after three episodes in, I believe, holy crap, they're going to pull this off. The last couple of she seasons were kind of hit and miss, but it actually looks like they could bring it in for a good landing. And mm. starting with four onward, you could see the decisions for a more plot focused story rather than a character focused story comes into view. Jamie and Brienne are yeah, getting yeah. together. Jamie leaves because he has to be with the sister, even though right. we haven't completely made that jump. That's just one of many examples. Right. So I can say that I kind of liked that the, that uh, certain people were alive and certain people were dead. And it seemed like, the the Westeros kind of kind kind of seemed like it was in a state of balance as we leave the characters, but but again, it just feels like I was invested in this character. You decided that she wasn't worthy and did so in a way that didn't convince me. So that's acting a little. I don't. Think I don't think that my in, that the show uh, in the end was a bad investment overall because one, it got me into reading the books, which brought me into this whole a section of uh, fiction that 
I really had no other, uh, ha I haven't really read from people like, uh, say, uh, whom I think like Brad, Brandon Sanderson or, uh, who's the guy, uh, Nathan, uh, uh, Rothfuss or Patrick Rothfuss. Uh, I mean, all these other authors and who I've never would have discovered would have not been for the gateway drug that was Game of Thrones. But you do have an uneven season, uh, uh, an uneven series, especially in its second half. Right. Season through four are perfect. Um, I wouldn't change much about them, even though I really wish we could have dealt with certain characters. A little early. I don't think you need to keep Ramsey Bolton alive for five seasons just because you didn't know where else to create conflict. Uh, but I mean, that's hmm. that's my opinion. So right. yeah, basically, basically, like you, I, 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 I'm, I'm, you know, I, in some respects, I, I, I can be happy with how it turned out, but you you know that there's something off because you can you know that the the priorities changed right. over this season that you spent so long with so uh so yeah that's basically where i stand on uh game of thrones the show i do believe that we will get the next two books we may not see the next one until next year late next year at the earliest but uh, but my interest in that show's universe hasn't gone away. Am I interested in a prequel series that HBO wants to make? Not exactly. <laughs> but interested in Martin finishing his tale. So uh, yeah. So yeah, that's that's my long-winded way of uh, explaining where I stand with the show. Well, being that you are into the books, and being that you are heavily invested, and you're much more. Um, articulate in the way you describe things I, I feel very similar to you but i didn't even know why i felt that way but hearing you explain it i remember hearing that the books had not been completed and that he helped kind of sit in on the writing of the show uh, i remember hearing that but i didn't know all the reasons so it was interesting for me to hear you uh, go through it and describe it all and now it's like oh okay that that's okay I get it. I get it now. And and it and like you said, it's not like it was completely unsatisfactory. It was nice. It was cool. And I do love certain parts about it. But like the, you could, you can't take the scent off of the fact that uh, they needed to wrap it up because of the real world issues that are right. surrounding it. You know, and you know, and one thing that's come to mind, and I would love to hear how you feel about this in a world um, in, in a Hollywood system that we have where there's a license to print money by remaking titles as opposed to original intellectual properties, um, how would you feel if they rebooted the series maybe 10 to 15 years from now with all new characters and they completely followed the novels and the, and the books guideline all the way and not even what if they even did something um, so creative as to keep seasons one through four as as canon and then yeah. split off with a new season five, six, seven, eight that completely follow the story with all new characters? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they did something like that because this is the world that we're living in where everything is remade. I mean, the fact that Cinderella and Beauty and the Beast and Lion King are being remade as live action Disney movies when most of Lion King is not 
even effing live action, I don't understand. <laughs> so, like, I don't, like, you know, I'm like, so I'm kind of thinking, well, that might be kind of cool for the hardcore fans out there. Um, I don't know if they would feel like they needed to completely reboot it so the new characters could continue on all the way through. But if they picked it up from where his book stopped and then they just did adaptations of his books, that might be, it might be a little bit too repetitive. What do you think? Well, 10 from 15 years from now, um, I, I wouldn't have a, I mean, well, obviously we know it's a little too soon for them to do re over. It would also be thumbing your nose at the, uh, the efforts of the showrunners, however misguided I think that their uh, their decisions were. Uh, like at some particular point, you just got to make hard choices whether or not you have source material to follow or you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, yeah, getting getting an alternate or, or getting a redo. <laughs> of the of the show is about as successful as getting Warner Brothers to cough up the Zack Snyder version of Justice League. I just don't think it's going to happen Probably right now, not. even if they want to. Um, yeah, I I wouldn't be. I, I, it would be a, a huge project in terms of money, and ca- I mean, you'd have to get the casting down. 10, 15 years from now, or if you have to recast it at all, I mean, because uh, trying to find another pink Peter Dinklage or, oh, yeah. uh, I, I mean, it, it, I wouldn't be, I would be open to, I mean, you know, we're going to get a Lord of the Rings show from Amazon. Uh, I have no idea what stories they're going to tell with that. I don't know if they're just going to get into storylines that they couldn't get into with the movies. Are they going to adapt the Cimmerillion or something like that? Uh, I, I, I'm looking forward to it because I don't want the last word on cinematic middle earth to be the Hobbit movies. But, um, but yeah, uh, I, I just don't know how they would pull that off. They have, they would certainly have options and it would, and would definitely, it would. I, I just never know if HBO's ever. I mean, it would definitely be something that HBO's never done before to take a take a show that was popular and was profitable, but for them to later redo it later on down the road. That's. I I don't know. I don't know if HBO would be willing to do something <laughs> like that. It, it's it, it's it, crazy it, for sure. I mean, it's crazy for sure. I I just think that. Uh, Martin will finish his novels and the the way that the plot works out visually in my mind, in my imagination will have to be just that. And I, it won't be dependent upon someone else's interpretation of it. So, yeah, I had no idea they were making Lord of the Rings television show. I guess it's been long enough, right? I mean, yes. Uh, I, I think that Peter J is available but only on an executive producer uh uh aspect and i, I again i don't know what what stories they're telling i don't know if they're remaking the books uh as it is but i mean if you're not i mean why call it lord of the rings why not call it yeah. tales from milk or something I don't yeah know. yeah but uh, but yeah uh we'll see uh we'll we'll see how these books turn out and we'll see how the uh, the prequels TV shows turn out if they ever do. Um, I have, I have really have no idea. We'll just see how this all turns out. I mean, they've, I mean, HBO is doing a alternate version of Watchmen coming 
Oh, I heard about that. So we'll, yeah. Uh, so, um, anyway, uh, if there's nothing more to add on for uh, Game of Thrones uh, series uh, uh, reactions, uh, let's go into the nitty gritty of the catch up questions I have for you since it has been roughly three years since we last <laughs> spoke to each other on Skype. <laughs> Crazy. Um, all right. So, first topic is basically this uh jason and i i'm at work and i have my little late break and jason and i are testing each other as we are uh want to do and uh we get into the topic of uh you know talking about you know hearing voice fails from you or me trying uh, me uh, trying to regain my hopes of starting my podcast and uh record guest episodes again and the topic of you came up and Jason texted me and said, you know that Adam and Ross had their own podcast? And I said, oh, you mean the one where they recap old Nowhere and Mulberry episodes? He said, no, 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 no. They had their own podcast. <laughs> it was called the Omnitumid Podcast. And apparently you can't get it anymore. They apparently stopped. I do have one episode saved on my computer, and I'll just send that to you through like Dropbox or whatever. And I listened to that. And it was episode six. I don't, and I'll <laughs> ask you, what's the story on uh, the Omnitainment podcast? And, uh, you know, basically, you know, what, what was the purpose of it? How long did you record and uh, why it was ultimately abandoned for whatever reason? <laughs> well, for one, I'm flattered that you care. <laughs> and I can't believe that you care. And I can't believe anyone out there would ever want to listen to this. But Ross, Ross does have them on his hard drive. And there is a plan for me to take my portable hard drive over there and rip them all to it so that I can give them to Jason to post as specials or whatever. So that is kind of a plan. But you know, Life keeps on chugging, and sometimes I forget to get into that kind of stuff. So anyways, to answer your question, though, <laughs> uh, um, I think that we were just listening to – I can't re recall which podcast we were listening to at the time, but uh, me and Ross were always goofballs. We both wanted to be filmmakers. We both made, made movies when we were in high school that we have on DVD to this day, and we were nice. always creative types yeah, at our church and stuff. We um, we would do just videos, and we would like MC events. My uh, cousin Deborah was the um, head of the worship ministry at our church, and so she was a goofball. And so we would always try to do something silly, and we would make funny videos, whatever. So we've always kind of been yeah. this pair that go hand in hand. We made like you've heard the rap songs. Like we made, dude. I gotta share them with you. I've made. We made probably 15 to 20 other songs back in the day <laughs> that is just goofy, us just being nerds. It's like it's like early Lonely Island, little uh, uh, little Dicky type stuff. It's just us yeah. being goobers, just rapping. And but we did love it. But we, you know, we were just being goofy about it. Um, so we always kind of did that type of type of creative outlets. We always had that, and uh, we're known for that by everyone that knows us. And and so here here came this opportunity where uh, like i remember back in the day just to kind of a, a offshoot here the only thing to listen to um at work really because you know as a carpenter you could listen to music or you could listen to talk radio well this old these older guys i worked with would listen to rush limbaugh which <laughs> was not cool got really annoying yeah. um yeah there, there, so but basically there's like political 
uh, at the time, there was political radio shows, and there were sports talk radio shows, and then there were, like, religious ones. And the religious ones, I mean, were so bad, dude. It was, like, terrible. I could not listen to them. But one <laughs> time, I remember I was stacking a pile of two-by-fours on my uncle's house. We were doing an addition. We were adding on to his home. And for 10 minutes, a PC gamer review show was on. It was just this weird little filler. It wasn't even a full half hour. Normally, the shows were like an hour, half hour, two hours, whatever. But this was like a 10-minute thing. And they were reviewing games. And I was in a euphoric state. I was (laughs) transfixed. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And then it was gone into the ether it vaporized before me, and I could never listen to it again. I had no idea how to get the show name. I mean, this was back in an archaic age where it was sometimes you just couldn't find something. Now you Google yeah. anything, and you could bring up results. But back then, you couldn't do that. So all that to say, when I found out that people were recording podcasts, talk radio shows in their home with a digital microphone that I had used – in an mp3 format which i had saved songs in i'm like i can do this i can do it <laughs> me and ross can do a show and so we decided that we just wanted to make a, a show where we could talk about exactly what nowhere and mulberry does minus the goofy tv shows that they would cover which is which is the gem of the show really because it creates drops in it it's just it's it's craziness right um, but so it was kind of that and we and we were thinking of names on the way home from work one day and we were just throwing around. It's like, how do you, like, you want to be in a category where people will find you. You want your name to be something where you can gain an audience. Right. And that's what Nowhere and Mulberry struggled with because Nowhere and Mulberry, what does that mean? Well, Omnitainment, it was our best creative way at the time to come up with a title that means we're talking about entertainment, all sorts <laughs> of entertainment, all sources of it. You know, and so. Um, just it doesn't do mean that, anything. That, that, what? That <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's I guess it's pretty friggin' obvious what it means. But I don't know if anyone I want one stranger listen to it. Like, yeah, you, you can't it. you can't you can't see it, but the light is going out in my eyes upon that revelation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm joking. I'm joking. Continue. I'm sorry for interrupting yeah. you. No, no, it's good. It's good. Um, yeah, that's the thing about Skype. Sometimes you feel like you can't jump in, but it's like it, it lends to not as good a conversation. So jump in, man. Just do do what you yeah. want to do for sure. But um, but yeah, so we just did like I don't even like the first one was recorded. At, my bedroom at like at uh, at my parents' house at the time, and we just like started. We just started talking, and I remember there's one thing I remember from the first episode, and it was me doing like a, like an impersonation of a cleaning robot, and I said something like, "Oh, I'm a robot. Oh, I'm a cleaning robot. There's a dustpan and a little hand broom that comes out of my chest, and I sweep up messes." I said something <laughs> stupid like that. That's like the main thing I can remember from the first show. But I'm tr- we. We should put them out, man, because they're fun. But it's it's funny to listen back to that. Uh, did you listen to episode six? I did. I did uh, several several times. I think he and I. I think we. I found out about this earlier this year. But uh, and do the work being you know you know constantly having situations where I can't always listen to something uh, 
all the way through some of those. Would, it'll just have to be like installments for lack of a better term. But me too. But yeah, me too. It was. Same it was. It was. Uh, is it basically like a video game discussion, or is it like a uh, you know a free for all discussion? Where I mean, because on this episode, on episode six, there was a lot of talk about uh, like playing Grand Theft Auto Four. Or uh, maybe World of Warcraft, or uh, just just whatever you guys were were uh, were, were uh, playing at the time, and you know you gave yeah. out your, your Xbox gamer tags at the beginning of the episode. But it usually it usually started off with I believe you know Ross getting a new driver's license, or yeah, it, they got the personal stuff out of the way, and then we could talk about uh, gaming related uh, topics for the rest of the episode. Uh, is was that was that the basically the basis of every episode, or was it just depending on what you wanted to do at the time? Right now, I feel like I'm just soaring like the eagle's nest because someone actually cares about something creative I did. It's like so <laughs> flattering. It's like it's so silly. It's like, but I really do feel great right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, nah, man. It. Uh, what we would do is we would usually open the show up with um, a segment called "What's New in the Streets," where we uh-huh. would just talk about what you know. We would come up with one to two things just to share about what had been going on in our lives since we last recorded. And okay. then I forget I forget which segments we would launch into, but we, we had one that was called the fast food review where we would try a new item at one of the fast food places together because we were working together at the time. So we would split it. Like I remember we split the Wendy's Baconator one time when that was a new thing. <laughs> and uh, we just like just doing this douchebag like – uh, in-depth review of the fast food burger that basically has a lot of bacon on it. It's just like, we're like, well, it's, re- it's really got a lot of protein and the texture is uh, it's a little dry. <laughs> I could use a little, I mean, you know, we're just nerds, you know? So, <laughs> so we had that segment and then we had, um, I forget what, uh, oh, like, just like we had what's new in the streets, we also had what's old in the streets. And that was our time to bring up some fond memory that we had in the past and so like we talk about video games we talk about clothing we talk about toys whatever um whatever we you know were into back in the day and then there was probably like a movie review of whatever like we went and saw uh and this was when indiana jones and the crystal skull came out like so i think we did a big review about that a big discussion about that so Dude, I had a blast listening to the to the six one because it's like a time capsule, man. Like I haven't listened yeah. to that in like ten years or whatever it's been, you know. And uh, it's just at the time the Grand the reason why we did the Grand Theft Auto show was that was our favorite game. We, me, Ross, and then there's this other guy named Jeff. When when we uh, we we all lived together. Well, Ross lived like down the street, and me and Jeff lived together at my folks' house. And uh, he went and bought it for the PS3. And our like literally, it was like an epiphany had it had happened. You know, you have those moments when you're like, oh, this just got real, or oh, they just took it to the next level. Like Grand Theft mm-hmm. Auto Three was so epic. It was like it was that turning point where you really started to believe that like anything is possible. Like in video games now, yeah. you know what I mean? When you can open up a world like that. So pretty much every title after that, we always loved it. It was always a big ordeal. And so, hey, man, we got this show where we can showcase stuff that we like and we can talk about it and we might even get some listeners and some reviews or something because it's a hot thing right now. 
And so we um, we talked all about it, and we did a roundtable discussion. There was four, there's five of us in the studio, which was my parents' like guest room, and um, and then there was one guy that uh, skyped in from Reno, and my buddy Eric came over and like hooked up this whole setup, and it, it was tight. It was like legit because he was going to school to be an audio engineer at the time, and yeah, um, yeah man, it, it was cool. So I forget the other episodes. I think I I know we went and saw. Indiana Jones in the Kingdom of the Crystal School, but I can't remember if we actually made the show. But I remember I brought like <laughs> I brought my little mini mini tape recorder, you know, those little miniature tapes, like the uh, yeah. from the answering machines from back in the day. Uh-huh. I had one of those on it, and uh, it turns out like that the tape was like incapable of recording on, or like there had no battery or something stupid. So and there was a dude dressed up like Indy too, and we like interviewed him. Like it's just nerdery, just good times, you know. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, we had another seg- We had another segment called "I Hate What You Like," where like, and of course it was <laughs> Ross's idea. So he would just yeah. be like, he, he would be like, uh, "Hey man, you know how you like." Like when your wife wears those uh, jeans with uh, and they're tucked into her Uggs boots. I hate that, bro. I think that's a really stupid look. And 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 I, and I was like, bro. I think any t- I think anytime a woman covers her boots with her jeans, that is the stupidest move anyone can make. And that's the way his wife. <laughs> uh, I think she used to wear them or something. So we were like, Ross is just he's a, he's a real good about like comedic stuff because he likes to push it and he likes to like yeah. you know like come up with wacky scenarios and so. Um, that's what made it, uh, that's what made it fun. You know, he's a super creative guy and, uh, I have to like get my rear end in gear and get over there and rip that stuff and post it because the only way I found episode six was because a buddy of mine that was helping us post it to the website. Cause he could do coding back then. Like that's back when we had yeah. to do coding in order to like post the shows and stuff. And I, I knew nothing about it. So he would do it for me and he just so happened to have it downloaded on one of his hard drives and he sent it to me because he's a very like he's a doer you know what i mean me and ross always talk yeah. a good game about what we want to do and we don't do anything but this buddy of mine tom he's a doer and so he did it and sent it to me and i've just been really enjoying listening to it you know and uh, the guy that was like um there's a guy named mark that was on there that's ross's brother-in-law so it's kind of neat to like get a glimpse into the you know some of our buddies at the time and stuff just sitting around talking about games Right. Uh, that, and, I, and I tend to forget about that. I mean, this took place during the last video game generation of consoles. So uh, pri- trying to get like a hosting site for podcasts is probably a lot more difficult back then. So you had to kind of like know a guy who knew how to how to code and or or just basically knew how to. It, I, don't, I don't I have no idea what how how you did it back then because my introduction to podcasts is well i go into the itunes store download onto my ipod and there i'm taken care of but as far as you know the the act of actually putting one together i I had no idea how they did it i just assume everyone who did it was a professional right right well i we had always heard that it's so easy like that's the thing and i think even on the first episode we're like that's the thing about podcasting. It's so easy, like being <laughs> kind of like, you know, jerks about it because we found it rather difficult, you know, and I thought it was going to be something as simple as, you know, when I had that moment where I'm like, wait, I'm creative. Me and Ross are goofballs. We could host a show. We could put it on the air. Like at the time, I could do all that. I could mix. I could edit. You know what I mean? Very, very primitively yeah. on a, a on an old piece of software called, uh, if Sony made it, it was called SoundForge. And, um, yeah. But but I couldn't like 
I thought it was going to be as easy as you go to iTunes and you find the section where it says upload your podcast and you just yeah. press the browse button and you load it in. I thought it was going to be that simple. And it turns out it was much more difficult. Nowadays, I think it is oh, like it's... Serv- the, there's services where you just send your MP3 to and they do it all, I think. But like, it is uh, simply uh, as, uh, as so, easy yeah, as clicking um, on the upload you were talking and then about, they'll ask uh, for which file you uh, want to we upload and the then just upload after a while, record depending and on the file. Upload and episodes, you know, add uh, some details about how, episode how description was or whatever. And then, so uh, awesome. do you remember what year or years that you uh, recorded um, and uh, posted episodes? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna Google Grand Theft Auto Four <laughs> release because <laughs> I don't remember, bro. I think my son was little, so I want to say it was like at least ten years ago. Yeah, um, so that would be two thousand. Yeah, so two thousand eight. Is when that was wow. going down. So we probably started um, maybe the summer of 2007, or maybe like the win or the winter of, uh, of of 2008, maybe. Do you know how many episodes? You know how many episodes in total you recorded before you stopped? Ten. Yeah, I think ten. we did ten. Yeah, and then we uh, we recorded the eleventh, and we never edited it. We never mixed <laughs> it. We just yeah, we're we're. You know, our kids were young. That's no excuse. We should have kept doing it. I mean, I think that if we would have stayed in the game, especially once we met Jason and became as big a fan of Jason's podcast, I'm pretty sure we could have gained some audience there. But we're doofuses, man. What can I say? Should have kept going, you know. Oh, well. Yeah. Life happens. It does. We also had another idea for one called the And Friends podcast, where it was just going to have us, like basically me, Ross, and my boy Eric, we were going to be the main hosts. But like if, if one of us couldn't be there, no big deal. And then we would just have different people on that we knew all the time and just talk about a bunch of different things. And we wanted to make it like a quarterly podcast. So we were going to just do one per season. So like the first one we did was all about summertime and like my friend mixed in this really nice like summer mix of like a fresh Prince of Bel-Air and stuff. Um, and uh, it was it was cool, man. And we just talked about like summer memories and a bunch of different things. But I don't, I don't think we ever even posted that one. It was just another idea that we had that we just didn't follow up on. <laughs> so, OK, uh, just before we. OK. All right. So it does says you're recording now. OK. I just wanted to make sure about that. For yeah. some reason, I thought Skype was going to screw us on the tail end <laughs> of this record, this episode. No, All right. we're good, uh, man. I got it. Okay. All right. So uh, hopefully we can look forward to a possible release of the run of the Omnitainment podcast. Uh, <laughs> and I, I would definitely like I would definitely like to hear that. And I definitely think that uh jason should make it like a uh patreon exclusive or more he can just release it through his main feed or something but uh um, yeah yeah but yeah i mean he's he's been known to release things from his past like i i, I don't know if did you hear he put out uh, on his patreon uh feed like his bonus episode of a recording that he made with his sister and a friend of his when they were like 13 or 12 or whatever or putting it or maybe a little older than that but i mean they were just goofing off seeing how many you know just doing like a mock radio show seeing how many times that they could just seeing how many curse words they can come up with really obnoxious kid stuff but i thought it was really charming and i'm glad that jaystrom made uh made that available for posterity's sake so uh 
but uh, but that would definitely be a good bonus for if if this ever comes to pass. Yeah, I have listened to that those episodes. It, it what a neat thing to be able to like, you know, it's just something stupid you did when you were young. All of a sudden, there's a bunch of people that have become your like fans of yours, and now you can share that goofy, you know, moment in time. It's it was really really neat, you know, and uh, the one with the band, like or like there was music in there yes. too. There was one. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that still blows my mind that he was yeah. the singer of a metal band of a local yeah, metal in texas it's so awesome and i think he like told a story either on that episode or maybe on the next episode of etl daily or um or etl news where he was just saying how he met heather and stuff it's like yeah, whoa yeah. man it's crazy it's like it's it's really i really like those episodes hey have you ever listened to the um to one of the holiday specials that they did back in the day um it was jason andy sims and jason's dad terry wallstrom yeah, they talked about film score. Gosh, yes. that's a great episode. I'm so happy you've heard yes. that. That's it's really good, man. Really, really good. It's awesome. Yeah. So, how, how many of their old school? Well, look, I don't know. If, did you want to say something about the score? I didn't want to like blow right past that right away. No, go ahead with your question. Okay, I was gonna say, have you um like have how many of the older episodes have you listened to? I, I haven't done what you've done and go back to the very beginning and sure watch I, i've kind of bounced back and forth and sometimes it was depending upon the sub on the subject matter but there is quite a lot of nowhere mobile that i have not listened to and i'm ashamed to say that but i i but uh I, i've always asked you know sometimes i've just asked jason for suggestions you know is nice, there nice okay like, if he record like you know he always makes sure that the Cloverfield episode is available for, for download. But, uh, the other times where he and the crew did like a radio theater special, like, uh, the aliens episode, or I think like some riff on the zombies or snakes on a plane or something or zombie snakes or something. (laughs) He he asked me about that. I, I told him, I still think the Cloverfield episode is good. I, uh, especially for how immersive it sounds like you really do get the feeling he bill and Steven are walking around videotaping themselves while there's a big, uh, Kaiju destroying. <laughs> Is that a lion over there? There's a lion. Steven <laughs> keeps asking about the lion. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. About this makes me want to go listen to it. Me but, too. Yeah. It's been a while. It's been a while for sure. Yeah. But and I really uh, also to, to to wax your car a little bit more. I also <laughs> made sure to listen to some of the episodes where you guested and did like uh, where it was either you and maybe Laura was on. And you did like the DVD release uh, rundown, and yeah, yeah. I I, I really do. Uh, that was one of the things that I liked about his podcast is that it it really did feel like you were being brought into a community of yeah. people, and you could be a part of it. So yeah, so, it yeah. was awesome, man. It, it's uh, oh, yeah. it's it, it was cool. And going back to the um, like what you said, like. Uh, about like all of the like the, it, i guess immersive is kind of a good word to talk yeah. about when you talk about the uh cloverfield podcast because yeah. it was um like what's so cool about it is jason really became familiar and became comfortable with like <laughs> like using this form of media to kind of let you into his head you know what i mean because 
all of the like '90s music references. Like, the, no, what's that movie that came out? Or it was a book first. Um, uh, it's all about the '80s. Ready yeah. Player One. Yeah. Ready, Ready Player One. Yeah, like that's basically what Jason's podcast was. And when he would go that deep on something like that, it was just so fun to hear all of the little nuances and all the different little things and and then drops from the show that kind of became just so i don't know man it became its own little world you know it was really really awesome yeah uh, that i enjoy that type of stuff you know and like they when they would do the lunchtime show and they would like make it sound like they were at the mall getting orange Mm -hmm. juliuses Mm -hmm. that's that's what i'm talking about yeah (laughs) exactly that's good stuff man i love it i love it but yeah i loved i loved the fact that he i mean like i felt like real honored to host the show and i always had a really good time and uh, i would do the news segment you know and uh, it was it was great because jason had his hands full because he's always pulling clips from the television shows he would watch so uh yeah man it was cool i really enjoyed doing it and then there's ones where we call in too, like me and ross around the there's like a holiday special around the time that avatar released have you ever listened to that one i have yes okay cool so but in the future now i know i could like like I'm gonna send. I'm gonna try to find the first episode I ever listened to, and I'll share that one with you, so you can listen to that one. So you could just okay. get my perspective of never listening to them before, but coming upon that show, you know. And uh, yeah, man, it's good times. Good times for yeah. sure. Oh yeah. Well, uh, let's get off the the topic of Omnitainment podcast. I'm I'm sure we'll hear about it, uh, you know, in the future. But sure. let's go back to a couple of there was a two or three more things I wanted to ask about, and you uh, talked about uh, how you know you and Ross basically. It sounds like you and Ross grew up together, or at least grew up in the same community or worked together. Uh, but you talked about making rap like little rap songs or rap videos, and one of the things that I know about you at least from a social media standpoint is that you like to make these charming uh hip-hop videos sometimes with members of your own family and i wanted to ask you about about that or or maybe just like for any behind the scenes uh info about some of these videos that you've done because i really think they're actually well done like i love the dig video and nice, if I'm not mistaken, that has your sister, it has your wife, and is it your father or father-in-law? My father. Yeah, my dad. Okay. Yeah. I just want to know what is, I mean, and one, because I think the, 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 the music accompanying the rhymes is good, but you went to like, an, it sounds like you actually went to a recording studio for that. I mean, do you just know people did you have to actually rent out a recording booth or i mean what what was the story upon that okay so for that one um like remember how i mentioned that we would make videos at our church yeah so um we got really into it for a while and they they let us convert one of the classrooms into a studio and so um it has like an infinity background so it's just like a really deep black curtain that goes all the like three sides of the room yeah and uh and then my my buddy bill he um he really invested in a lot of nice equipment so he let me use that's like his mic 
like screen thing. So it's basically just a classroom at a church. And I just, I think I hung, I think I hung blankets on the a ceiling to like muffle the sound and soften the sound in there a little bit better. So it wouldn't be so reflective off of the ceiling. And we just kind of went for it, shot the whole thing on an iPhone, you know, and yeah. uh, edited on iMovie and I don't know. That was, that was it, man. Like, but like, like I was talking about before we used to make these raps back in the day. And then my cousin Harrison was like, just graduated high school and him and his buddy started making some raps. So I like wrapped a verse and uh, emailed it to him and they put me on their song. And then it just really, I got the bug to write, you know, so I started writing a lot. Yeah. Like that, that song dig was like one of the second or third songs that I wrote, like when I kind of like restarted writing again. And, um, and I was just like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to like record this song like next weekend. I'm just going to write it right now. And I'm just going to tell uh, April and my sister to memorize it. So I wrote all three verses and um and then like years went by i think it was like a year or two that went by and we finally did it because they needed a lot of time to like memorize theirs before they could go to the recording studio because it would sound so whack if they just tried to learn it just by reading it you know they really right. needed to learn it and everybody's got lives and other priorities so it finally happened and uh man like it's just so it was like my wife is not a very like I'm a total goofball, outgoing person. She's much more introverted. She's, you know, and the fact that she did that, but, and learned it all and like participated is just so cool. And yeah, but it it was fun, man. And I really went through a time where I wanted to make music so bad. And I was really regretting not like going for it more when I was younger, Mm -hmm. you know, I was like, fudge, man. Like I should like, but I cared what people thought about me, you know, like what are people going to think that I'm like trying to be a rapper or something, you know? And so I let all that affect me, you know? And so it's like, I kind of went through a period where I was like, dang, man, I shouldn't have done that. I should have tried or something. I, you know, even if I never made it or never made anything of it, it would be fun to do. So then I just thought, well, let me just do that now, you know? So I started kind of trying to do it. But then a turn of events happened and, you know, I really needed to like turn my, my focus and shift my focus on just like supporting my family. You know, um, my wife's like job, they asked her to relocate and she just didn't want to do that. And so I said, Hey, like you should just stop working and then I'll just try to go full time as much as I can. And so now that's become the shift. And I, I just, I don't have a lot of free time and what free time I do is usually doing something just relaxing or so, like catching up with a friend like you that I haven't caught up with in a long time. And right. so now it's like, it's, it's harder to do and I don't think I could give it its full attention, you know, but, um, but yeah, it would be, you know, it's, it's still fun to do. And I, I'm, I appreciate the fact that you enjoyed it. You know, I, I re- enjoyed making them and I really just wanted to have some fun and just put something fun out there, you know? That's that's exactly what I got out of it. It was fun. And I remember you did another video called, uh, I, I, I really love that you get like, you know, family members or, you know, friends involved with it. Like, uh, what is it? Black umbrellas? Or, <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. The whole time, I, it, this is not a slight to you or what you're rapping about or the quality of rapping in that video, <laughs> but I, I found myself really invested in your daughter yeah. Chang, putting yeah. on boots and wondering if she was going to get them on in time to come back into frame <laughs> oh, for the video while you guy. were. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I. Is she, is she still like taking martial arts classes and uh, just being adorable? Yeah, she's she is uh, doing jujitsu and she's oh man, doing doing really well with it. Yeah, and she's just become her own little person lately. She's just like, 
you know, she's no longer like daddy's little, like just girl. Now she's like, I'm a person here I am yeah. like, you know, throwing attitude <laughs> and stuff. So, but she's still doing well, man. And that was such a cool moment because like that, that was not forced at all. Like, no, I, I, I had been writing um, like songs and stuff. And I kept like, um, I would write, I would like rap for my sister and she'd be yeah. like, dude, that's really good, man. Like, and so, uh, some of her friends knew that I did it. So they would want me to, to, you know, to do something for them every now and then. But, um, she was just over at the house and I was like, Hey, let me, uh, let me bust this rap for you real quick. Uh, I've been working on it. She's like, okay. And so I just like put it on the boom box and she's like, wait, let me video it. Cause I'm going to send it to my friend. I was like, <laughs> okay. And that was it. Like, that's how it, that's how it happened. And like, it was so, it's just a perfect little weird mix of like Charlie just hanging out with me while I'm rapping, you know? And like, yeah, it, it was, it was neat, man. It, that, and that one, like, that's kind of what made me, that's the first thing I ever posted. And Amanda shared it on her Facebook. My sister uh, shared it on her Facebook and it got like 1300 views. And I was like, whoa, what the heck? That's crazy. Heck of people saw that. I'm going to do more. But then every time I did more and posted them to YouTube, no, it's like no one wants to just like click the link and like go and see. But like this freak weird thing of just like it popping up on the feed and people listening to it and just like kind of getting caught by it. Like, oh, wow, he's rapping. You know, like they didn't know that I did that, I think. It was right. just this weird phenomenon where it's like, you know, and now I, I was never able to repeat that kind of reaction after that, even though I put a lot more effort into it, you know. Right. But it, it was just neat. It, and that's fun to have that type of stuff on video, like. To even look back at that now, I was like, oh, man, that was cool Like when that all happened. You know, it was neat, you know, so yeah. it's cool. Good. Good deal. Um, well, I hope, you, I hope you're able to make some more uh, rap videos in the future or, or, or whenever, but I, I, I've really been very entertained by, by what you've posted so far. So I wanted, to, I wanted to get a little inside baseball on how some of those videos were were created or how they came about i really appreciate it man i i doubt anyone will care to listen to it but <laughs> but and that's not I, a, I will. that's not a slight to your show at all but uh, you know no 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 i will i will if i have to i will post links in the etl fan club uh <laughs> page just to make sure people get this right uh, on, man. anyway next topic i think i'm coming down to my final two and uh, I guess uh, I guess the next one, since we're talking about, you know, we've been talking about your kids in association with either recording podcast or making rap songs is uh, uh, you're the father of a video game streamer. And that's right. And wanted and you know, last time we talked, I, I mean, I, I don't know if y'all were, if Lawrence, if your son Lawrence was doing that at the time, maybe he was with something like uh, Minecraft, but yeah. he's a big Fortnite streamer and uh, just wanted to get your, uh, your thoughts on that. I mean, cause uh, you know, the, uh, I, I mean, it's one thing to, you know, for a kid to get involved with uh, playing multiplayer on something like Fortnite, which is not only just kids, even though that's the primary target. But I mean, you do get some very, you get some undesirables in communicating with other people. And then there comes the next brave step of actually streaming that, which I've tried to get into a couple of times. I'm trying to get back 
into streaming me playing streaming myself playing alien isolation or something because i think nice. maybe the audience will like it if i'm playing a game in which i'm stressed and freaking out uh, yeah, 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 that's a great idea. With four, I mean, well, I tried to do it uh, back, uh, a few years ago, and I didn't I know, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't know how to archive my Twitch streams to YouTube. So those are once they're gone from the YouTube, uh, from the Twitch account, they're gone forever. So I'm gonna I, now my accounts are linked, and they will actually be archived. So uh, I, I need nice. to get that experience uh documented for some reason but what has been your experience uh with uh uh with lawrence as a fortnite streamer because i i i i play on my xbox one primarily these days i'm i'm trying to get like a replacement ps4 soon and uh i use the mixer uh streaming service which is mostly for like uh you know X, mostly for like Xbox users, although other games can be used for it. And three most common games I see on there, the three the three types of games I see the most streams are are, are in descending order: Fortnite. Uh, the next one is Apex Legends, and the next mm-hmm. one after that is Rainbow Six Siege. Wow. After to watch live streams of Fortnite, that's a lot. That's a lot of visual stimuli that I can't make sense out of it. So uh, my thoughts on the gaming side, what has been your experience so far as uh, Lawrence as a streamer? Do you monitor what he does uh, or did you did so at first and then felt that you he got you got comfortable with him doing that? I mean, what, what is what has been your history so far with it? Yeah, I mean, we've been doing it since he was young, um, but when he started everything on his own, he, it was all internal with the PS4, which is so nice. It's so neat that you can do it that way. It's like, that would have been a dream back in the day without having an Elgato device or some sort of capture card mm-hmm. or whatever, yeah. you know, so, um, we, you know, and I just, we just ask him not to like, I, I'd rather him not be saying curse words on there and not saying right. anything that's a little, you know, that's risque. And sometimes when he streams for like hours, I don't review all of it, but I do watch his stuff pretty regularly just to kind of keep, because for one, I want to, because it's really fun to watch him play. <laughs> and for two, it's just to like make sure everything's, you know, going well and, and doing fine. And, you know, so he's, we just kind of, I uh, just kind of watched ev- everything he did at first, like you said, and monitor it pretty closely. And now, you know, I mean, he the, the boy's pretty aware that if he gets out of pocket on something, that it's he's going to just be restricted from doing it. So he he right. plays safe, which is the best way to go. And you know, right. So so far, we haven't had to, we haven't really had any issues with it, and we haven't even had any issues with creeps. And he's a he's real cautious about that stuff. He's a very like he's a super. Um, Jesus sounds so like douchey because it's my kid, but he's a pretty sharp kid and he he's defensive in a good way. You know what I mean? Like he knows to like watch his guard and stuff on stuff like that. And so there's been two times when like these people were uh, messaging back and forth to one another in the stream. And it was like really weird and it was kind of creepy. But then like the more we read it, we realized we were like, oh, this doesn't have anything to do with Lawrence. They're just having an argument here. And these yeah. two guys were like, but at first it, they were saying stuff that we were like, whoa, do they know where like Lawrence is at if they know this information? But it turns out it was just all information between these two different people. But that was, right. you know, but he came right to me like, oh, my gosh, this is weird. Come here and check this out. You know, so he wasn't trying to hide things. I mean, I don't I don't know, man. He, I mean. 
there's only so much that I do know. Like I remember being a kid and my parents didn't know everything about me. You know what I mean? Like there's a part of your life that just, they're not going to know. So there, there might be some things he's done that he's just done a good job of hiding, but I honestly don't think so. He's for the most part, a pretty honest kid, but you know, that's probably what every parent thinks, I guess. I don't know. But does, um, does, uh, does Fortnite seem like a pretty, uh, friendly game space? I mean, I'm sure there's like, you know, there's bad apples and everything, but, uh, what I what I sense from the Let's Plays videos that I've watched, even though I mean there's a whole lot of stuff going on, I, I'm already sound like an old person. There's too many colors. There's too many <laughs> fast objects or whatever. Oh, I just can't crazy. get over the the hurdle of a third person shooter, and you're trying to build stuff at the same Dude, time. I guess that's it's it's crazy. That's, it's that's something yeah, that's, I don't have a skill. That's like playing Starcraft. I don't have the mind of a general. I can't right. think few steps right. ahead of me. I, I'm never going to be able to do that. But yeah. for the most part, Fortnite doesn't seem as toxic as say Call of Duty or something like that. Has has that been your uh, experience as well? That's interesting that you say it because I've never really thought of it that way. I mean, I'm sure there is, like you said, there. I'm sure that there are the outliers that yeah. are like dipsticks or whatever. But for the most part, it's been it's been pretty cool. And if anything, I'm usually unhappy and getting on Lawrence because he might be being rude to someone. You know what I mean? I'm like, bro, like that's rude. Like he just doesn't see it sometimes. So I'm like, dude, no, you, you shouldn't just talk to people that way. And usually it's him <laughs> that I'm like, bro, don't be like that. But for the, I mean, I, I, one of two things, either it's it, uh, Lawrence has not come across a lot, like a lot of weirdos or a lot of bad apples, or he's just like quiet about it. And he like removes himself from the situation or finishes the game. And then just like, doesn't play with that person again, again, you know? But I mean, he was like, like friending a lot of people that we didn't know. And so we kind of put a, um, a kibosh on that for a minute. But then like now I'm at the point where I trust the boy enough, you know, like he's been, he's been, we've been letting him have more freedoms. Like he's been cruising around on his bike from like city to city around here with his friends. And there's been nothing that he's done. That's made us like want to not allow him to do that anymore. He's keeping right. his trust, like our trust really, really good and really well. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, pretty comfortable with him being on there because i feel like if anything weird happens he would definitely let us know you know right yeah i've i just wanted to to get on that but i mean because i i follow his youtube channel nice man uh, nice i i did that mostly it was weird mostly out of curiosity because one you you used to be in the videos with him uh right are there are there any of those fortnite streams where you're commenting with them or is it mostly just him by himself or it's mostly him by himself yeah 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 but there there was one time when i got home from church and my wife didn't go with me that day and so uh, my sister stopped by and she was hanging out before i got here and um they went into his room and they commentated his whole match and bro it was super (laughs) entertaining it was really entertaining they kept calling things by the different names and stuff and they were kind of joking with each other it was a really nice vibe and I, I, I could listen to it right now and be thoroughly entertained, you know, like maybe so, because I know him, I don't know, but like, it, I thought it was funny, you know what I mean? It is, so, is archived on the channel. Yeah, I believe so. I, I don't, I, I would, I'll do some digging yeah. and see it. Let me make a note. I'll do some digging and uh, see if I can send it to you because okay. it's, uh, it's, it's worth watching. And I think later that day, I, um, 
I did one too because I thought it would be a good idea. And then one time Ross came over to the house. He was dropping his daughter off to play with my daughter. And uh, when he like just watched Lawrence play. And Lawrence was like, dang, man, I should like, I should have Ross commentate some of my matches. And I was like, yeah, you really should. That's a good idea, you know. <laughs> but yeah, but the boy's pretty good, man. Have you have you seen like there's it, I, I mean watching a stream can be kind of monotonous sometimes, but if you watch a um like if you watch a highlight video, it's like the stuff yeah. he does. Like I can't believe it. I'm just like, what the heck? How are you doing this? I yeah. I, I just don't get it. It's like well, I'm my I am old now. I can't. There's no, I, my brain cannot keep up at that pace. It's just crazy. Yeah. No, no, I'm I'm very impressed. I'm very impressed by it. It's 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 it can sometimes be a thing of beauty when you're watching a player who knows what he or she is doing. Yes. Uh, even if it's on a game where you yourself wouldn't, I mean, wouldn't even bother with. I mean, my yeah. Xbox when I got my Xbox One earlier this year, uh, or was I think it was like late last year. It came in pre-installed with Ford, and I was like, "No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not up to that challenge." So, uh, <laughs> I'm going to go elsewhere. But, uh, yeah. but I'm glad to hear that he's having a good time, and it hasn't been a really toxic experience with it. Because I, I can remember the days of Xbox 360, Halo Three, and oh, Modern Two were like mm-hmm. there was no bottom. There was no bottom to the pit in terms of. <laughs> well said. It's a very well put wave. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so, uh, and 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 maybe this is something that's changing. I don't know. There, like like you said, there's probably some outliers that in there. But I, I get on a game like, um, uh, uh, like the last Call of Duty game I played was Advanced Warfare. That was like some years back. And now it's probably going to be looked at with more curiosity because Kevin Spacey had a huge role in the the campaign. But I I, I didn't hear from talk from anyone like there wasn't anyone with a mic just spouting garbage because he just figures you know sound travels whatever might as well yeah. do it. But right. uh, mostly it's been a very quiet experience. The a uh, uh, shooting game I of uh, a. Uh, first-person shooter I play most of the time is Overwatch, and not a whole lot of people talking. So hmm. uh, so maybe nice. so maybe people have put their energies elsewhere, or they're just not uh, on the games that I'm playing, in which case, good, keep it that way. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Or maybe everybody started streaming, so they just started like doing most of their chat there, you know what I mean, yeah. and put it to good use, as opposed to, like you said, just sound travels, you know. Right. But yeah, and I'm glad you pointed it out, man, that, that it seems different now because, you know, in a world where most of the time all we want to do is complain about stuff, um, it's been a long, good run and nothing majorly, like you said, toxic or just like stupid has happened. So that's right. good. Yeah. All right. Well, we are unfortunately down to our next, our last topic, and I don't know. How, how long of an of an answer to this this will be but i mean you you brought it up in one of our previous episodes and i can't end the podcast without addressing it the last time we talked you talked about how you were into making custom uh molds for nintendo 64 systems yeah yeah. Is that something you still do, or or and or has it branched out? Have you done it for other systems as well? And what's the story on that? 
Um, I've only done it for a sup- like Super Nintendos. I think I've done one of those, and then I've done a bunch of Nintendo 64s. And it all came from an idea of doing. Um, and if I'm redundant here, if you like, if I'm you know repeating myself, just stop me. I don't want to be redundant. Oh, but right. uh, okay, um, I wanted to make recreate a Wii, but like or like paint the Nintendo 64, but with a Wii scheme. So just do it white, and then change the LED light out to blue. That's like what I wanted to do. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I just thought that would be a good idea one night. And um, I didn't end up doing it. I ended up just doing an all green one with a green LED light. And I just gave it to one of my friends. And then it just like one thing led to another. And I kept finding old junkie systems for like around five to ten dollars. And it just kind of came it became this fun little hobby of like getting good deals and then selling stuff and then cleaning stuff up and restoring it or whatever. So the last one I did was a... um, uh, I've done a Mickey Mouse uh, themed one for a buddy of mine that uh, is on a podcast. It's a very popular Disney podcast. It's called um, Ears Up with a Z. And uh, if you're a if you're a Disney nerd like me, man, you know, like it's it's a really fun show. And uh, they've made some they've made some really cool like T-shirts and stuff for their podcast. And it's it's pretty cool. And uh, I I used to play basketball with the guy, and he. Uh, I found out he was on this Disneyland podcast through a mutual friend. He's like, hey, remember this guy? He's on this show. I was like, what? Crazy. And now our kids are in the same <laughs> class and stuff. It's 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 pretty trippy. But yeah, so I made one for him because um, I was showing my daughter's second grade teacher that on my Instagram. There's a Mario edition, a Luigi edition, and a Waluigi edition. And I made the Mario edition for Ross's son, Luca. I, I'm, I probably covered this on the last show, and I made um, Jason and Emma the Luigi version, and then I made my, <laughs> a, a, a buddy of mine the Waluigi version. And so I showed the second grade teacher that, and when my boy Terrence saw it, he was like, "Dude, those are sick!" And I was like, I, in my head, in my head, right then, I was like, "I'm doing a Mickey version for him." Then, so I did it, but I keep. I keep meaning to get, like, I have this idea to put this Mickey Mouse glove on the front of yeah. it where the Nintendo 64 logo is. But, like, yeah. I have not been able to find a suitable image to, like, turn into a decal. And then, like most of my ideas, Adam, I just, like, I'm moving on to other things and I need to complete that so I can give it to yeah. him. Because that's the funnest part about it is giving someone an old school game. Because everyone loves old school games. Like, if you have them around, it's just a nice, fun thing to have. And it's a fun thing to do for a few minutes every now and then. And mm-hmm. uh, to, to be able to give one that's, like, custom themed for somebody, it's just, like, I, I love it, man. It's like, addictive. It's like giving someone a Christmas present, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. No, uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear that, I mean, you you, you kept up with it or... I mean, even if it's even if it's kind of on a hiatus, you still want to return back to it. I'm I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad you got enjoyment out of it. So, uh, so yeah, uh, I just wanted to to ask about that because that was one for some reason that stood out in in our conversations because I uh, I had never met or ever talked to anyone who did anything like that. It's not it it's not uncommon to hear about different designs like. You know, PS4 will put out a a mo- version of the model that has Destiny artwork on it, or right, but I right. but I had never heard of anyone doing custom uh, custom uh, molds for for vintage systems like that. So uh, I, I I really I really do think that's that's fascinating. So um, 
So anyway, um, we're at the end, and I don't have any other questions. It is one o five in the morning where I'm at, <laughs> and I think we've covered a breadth of uh, a epic breadth of uh, topics. But this has been, without a doubt, like one of the best uh, uh, episodes. And I'm really uh, assuming, of course, everything goes fine with you being able to save the episodes, send <laughs> oh, them my sure. way. And I can yeah. edit some, but this has definitely been one of the best conversations I've ever had. And I'm looking forward to, uh, uh, you know, editing this and making it, making it presentable and uh, letting everyone hear about it because I, this has been a long, long in waiting for it. And I, I think uh, everyone's going to enjoy this. So I can't thank you enough for being patient and being flexible uh, for doing this. Uh, it's, it's always a pleasure and I hope we can be able to do it soon, sir. Yeah, man. I, again, I'm, I'm honored to be on, to be asked to be on the show. Um, it's really cool. The, the interview format that was unexpected and, uh, I, I appreciate it, man. And I really do appreciate the kind words that you shared about it. And yeah, I would have to agree. This is probably the best podcast I've, I've been on where I've like filled in or, hosted it just felt like i just was like before we got on i was just like i hope me and adam can just have a conversation you know what yeah. I mean? like i don't want it to be this like showy showy format like i just want to chop it up with him and see how he's been doing and you know mm-hmm. and uh i think you did a really good job man and, and it was, it was cool i really i really appreciate it and i do want to be on again because you know i want to uh I have some things that i wrote down that we didn't get to talk about like i want to talk some games and stuff so we got to do it again soon yeah. Yeah, yeah, we definitely we definitely should. Um, uh, do you have uh, like before we before we sign off? Uh, if people want to find you on social media or whatever, what how can they find you if they want to like see your see your wares, so to speak, or get in contact with you? Yeah, um, on Instagram, my uh, handle is late to the party, all one word, obviously, and then. I think, uh, I mean, if you want to check out some raps or whatever, it's uh, Adam Lawrence. Um, I think if you just YouTube search yeah. that, that would be cool. But but mainly, dude, I really just want people to listen to this show and support this show. I want you to have some more guests. You know, I'm going to try, I'm going to be in Ross's ear t- uh, to give you, you know, some, I don't want people to start downloading it. And I really am hoping that the NIM community kind of comes and bands back together. You know, I know Jason's talking about, doing more show discussions and stuff and i really want you to i would love to hear you on on the show a guest host because i think you could be a real nice fill-in as their third uh party you know so i'd love to hear you on there and i'm looking forward to hearing this episode too man it's been real fun chatting for sure oh yeah well anyway i can be reached at uh avid acrojam through twitter uh, I can be found on Instagram as Adam Sexton, no spaces or anything like that. I'm very boring that way. Um, you can send me uh, email feedback if you want to, uh, or even like a uh, through an audio file at avidacrojam at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find my podcast through Anchor FM as the Past and the Pending Podcast. I believe it's still available through Podbean. It could also be available through Spotify and Radio FM. And I'm trying to get it available on other uh, uh, platforms or podcast services as we speak. But anyway, this has been the Passing the Pending podcast. And uh, 
once again, Adam, I thank you for uh, coming on and talking with me. And uh, we'll definitely get back together again. But anyway, this has been the Past and Pending Podcast. And remember, you can't enjoy what you have now unless you consider what you've had before. Look for the silver lining Whene'er a cloud appears in the blue Remember somewhere the sun is shining So always look for the silver lining And try to find the sunny side of life